This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. The following presentation of the Midland City Council will begin in a moment. The Midland City Council is the city's legislative body that sets policies, approves budgets, determines tax rates, and adopts ordinances and resolutions to govern the city. It is made up of five elected officials that represent the wards in which they reside, and councilmen are elected to two-year terms. The mayor is elected from among the council members by vote of the city council. City council meetings are held at 7 p.m., two Mondays per month, in council chambers at City Hall. This presentation is provided by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland. Replays of this meeting can be found on MGTV Channel 188 on Charter Spectrum, through Channel 99 on at and or on demand at www.cityofmidlandmi.gov. Select meetings are available on MCTV Network's Government Affairs Podcast Channel. Go. Good evening. Thank you for coming yeah. to the recording in progress. 2021. And uh, Steve, would you like to lead us with the Pledge of Allegiance, please? Yes. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Steve. Um, Erica, could you do the roll call, please? Absolutely, if you could remember to state your location. Uh, Honorable Mayor Pro Tem Marty Wozbinski. Here, Midland, Michigan. Councilman Arnowski. Here, Midland. Councilman Brown Wilhelm. Here, Midland, Michigan. Councilman Hall. Here, Midland, Michigan. Thank you. Thank you. Um, does anyone of the council have any conflict of interest for tonight's agenda at all? Okay, seeing none, we'll go to the consent agenda. All resolutions marked with an asterisk are considered to be routine and will be enacted by one motion. There will be no separate consideration of these items unless a council member or a citizen so requests during the discussion phase of the motion to adopt the consent agenda as indicated. If there is even a single request, the item will be removed from the consent agenda without further motion and considered in a listed sequence in regular fashion. First off, anyone in council want to remove anything from the consent agenda? Okay, seeing none, anyone from the public? that would like to remove anything from consent agenda. Okay, seeing none, if I could have a motion. So moved, Diane. Second, Steve. It's been moved and seconded. Erica, if could you do a roll call vote, please? Councilman Aronofsky. Aye. Councilman Brown-Wilhelm. Aye. Councilman Hall. Aye. Councilman Wesbinski. Aye. All right, continuing on, we have no proclamations or public hearings for tonight, um, but we do have uh, time for public comments. Uh, this is the scheduled time on the City Council's agenda for interested citizens to address us on subjects pertaining to city government, 
that is not on the agenda this evening. If you have a comment on an item that is coming up later in the evening, please hold your comments until that time. Uh, if you came to address an item on the consent agenda that was already approved, we would still be happy to hear from you on this item. Is there anyone who would like to make a public comment? Okay, seeing none, we'll continue on. Uh, have to, does Tyler have to unmute people? I don't know if they are them. allowed to talk right now, and no one has unmuted themselves initiating they want to talk, so I believe there is no comments. All right. Okay, going on to item four, which is the second reading of adoption of the water ordinance. I think we're going to combine that with item five for the presentation with the sewer ordinance. Uh, Peter, you're going to be doing this? That's correct. I'll present both. Let me share my screen. Good evening. Good evening. This will be the second reading and adoption of the proposed water and sewer rates uh, for fiscal 2021-22. Every year we uh, review the water and sewer rates as required by ordinance and we match those with unnecessary costs for operating for system capacity improvements um, while maintaining a healthy balance of our working capital and set the rates accordingly. As you mentioned, this there will be two um, resolutions needed, one to amend the water enterprise fund, the water rates, and one to amend the sewer rates for the wastewater enterprise fund. After review, we've recommended that the water rates be raised 4% and the sewer rates 3%. That's in line, you can see with recent years, where we've averaged two and a half to four. Help you understand what that looks like, a 4% increase in the water rate for a three quarter inch meter, which is our most common, uh, would be around a 2.9% increase in our readiness to serve with a meter charge for a three quarter inch, which comes out to about $1.10 per, per quarter. And the commodity charge or usage for 10, 1,000 gallons of water would increase by 10 cents from $1.78 to $1.88 which is a little large increase of 5.6%, but the overall average for a typical homeowner using 15,000 gallons per quarter would be a 4% increase. And you can see that would increase their water bill by $2.60 on average. For a one inch meter, they tend to use more water. So we average, we base this on a 20,000 gallon per quarter usage. The bill there would increase $3.43, $1.43, increase for the meter charge and the same usage um, cost of 10 cents increase. This is the actual changes to the ordinance, the language. So there are the respective meters um, from five eighths up to eight inch and the increases that they would see on their quarterly bill and the usage charge at the bottom, they're um, going to $1.88 per thousand gallons. For sewer rates, we're looking at similar changes, but we recommended a 3% increase. So the witness serve charge would increase 74 cents for a three quarter inch meter. Commodity charge would increase 13 cents to $2.68. The overall average for a typical homeowner would be a 3% increase or $2.69, 15,000 gallons per quarter. 
for the one-inch meter, as I mentioned, 20,000 gallons. We're looking at a $3.56 increase. Um, it's also 3% average. Um, the meter charge is going up a little less than a dollar. And this is the ordinance language changes for the sewer. So the restrictive meters and then the commodity charge there at the bottom going to 268. Overall, the combined change, since most people have water and sewer service at their home, it's a 3.4% um, average increase or $5.29 per quarter, or up to a $160.14 their quarterly bill. The three quarter inch, for the one inch, it's about a $7 increase, um, also 3.4% average and two dollars and ten cents 47 cents um two dollars yeah for the twenty thousand gallons for combined for the one inch uh, you can see we're still quite a ways below um the surrounding communities a uh, base city is close to four hundred dollars uh, for the three-quarter inch saginaw is around 260 dollars where we're around 160 dollars for a three-quarter inch meter for the one inch, a city is over 650. I don't remember the exact $670 for theirs for a quarter. Saginaw is around 560, and we were at um, 160 per quarter. Um, so this is the second reading and adoption of the water and sewer rate amendments. It requires a three-fifths vote to approve, and the ordinances would take effect July 1st. Okay. Are there any questions on that? Thank you, Peter. So is there any questions on either the water ordinance or the sewer ordinance? All right. Are there any public comments on this at all? It does not look like anyone's trying to talk. All right, thank you. All right, so Eric, could you read the uh, ordinance summary, please? This is the second reading and adoption of a proposed amendment to section 2852 of division three of article two of chapter 28 of the code of ordinances, the water ordinance. Okay, again, this is just for the water ordinance. Um, can I have a motion? So moved, Diane moved and supported uh council discussion we've been through well, this it's necessary. it's necessary we've got a lot of work to do and we've got to have a budget for it yep all right ready to vote okay erica if you'd be so kind councilman brian wilhelm aye councilman hall aye councilman wasbinski aye councilman arnofsky aye Okay, uh, and Erica, if you could read the uh, sewer ordinance um, summary, please. This is the second reading and adoption of a proposed amendment to section 28163 of division three of article two of chapter 28 of the code of ordinances, the sewer ordinance. All right, do I have a motion? So moved, Steve. Second, Pam. Okay, it's been moved second. Any other discussion on this? All right, let's go ahead and vote. 
Erica? Councilman Hall? Aye. Councilman Wozinski? Aye. Councilman Arnofsky? Aye. Councilman Brown Wilhelm? Great, and that passes 4-0. All right, One, before we go into item number six, I wanted to throw something out at you guys. Um, since we do not have the mayor here for this, I'm wondering if we should go ahead and table this. Um, and it probably would not be the next meeting, but it'd be the following meeting because I will not be here on the first meeting in July. Um, I know there was kind of some discussion that we wanted to try to get this done before July 1st because of uh, the uh, new uh, commissioners coming on. Um, but I think my my thinking is that Jim could, you know, tell them that's this is the only caveat that's kind of hanging out there. I don't think people would not sign it just because of this. So, but I wanted to throw that out at you guys first before we got into the full discussion and everything on that, if you guys felt comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with that, Marty. Yeah, I support it too. Steve? Yeah, I, I can go along with that. I, I know I was pushing to have it done before the, right. <clears throat> the first, but I can I can wait. It's might as well have a discussion amongst the five of us as opposed to just four. Okay, that's what I was thinking too. All right. Um, Erica, do I have to do anything on that or do we have we to? Need, have... We need a motion and a second to table it and then we can vote on it. All right. Could I have a motion, please? So moved. So moved. Oh, second, Diane. And move the second, Erica. If you do the vote, please. Sure. Councilman Wasbinski. Aye. Councilman Arnowski. Aye. Councilman Brown Wilhelm. Aye. Councilman Hall. Aye. All right. Very Sorry good. That, uh, Thank you. Branson, but. <laughs> no, that's. I, I will bring it back. It, uh, I think it's two meetings away, as you as you indicated, uh, and that'll be a full council. All right. Thank great. You. Item number eight is the uh, City Modern Public Participation Plan Grant. Uh, you're going to present on this? I will, yes. Um, thank you and good evening, members of council. I'll go ahead and share my screen. All right. So this is the um, draft public participation plan um, that's in front of you this evening for review. Um, I, part of the overview of tonight's presentation, I'll talk about just the different facets of the plan itself. Uh, which is going to focus largely on more of the philosophical approach as to how we um, undertake a large planning process like this. Um, I'll go through some goals and guiding principles, focus on some key stakeholders, um, talk a little bit about uh, the specific work for City Modern, um, <clears throat> then review some tools and strategies following by the communication outcomes, and then how we're going to evaluate and um, be able to adopt on the fly to do um, improvements to the plan as we move forward. So with that, the communication, uh, or rather guides and uh, goals and guiding principles that were um, contained within the plan, uh, these include creating a shared vision and future direction based on authentic community engagement, ensure that the city actions align with public participation, recognize public participation as integral to decision making across all city departments, actively engage in public participation throughout the planning process, support innovative and continuous development of public participation tools that support our diverse community. Public participation tools shall be suited to, uh, to the community and its needs. And then lastly, that we would report back to the community and improve upon our public particip plan, uh, participation plan as this project moves forward. <clears throat> so with that, um, the public participation plan really does rely on 
identifying key stakeholders within a community. And when we use the term stakeholders, that doesn't mean special interest or um, those that maybe are only um, economically advantaged or something of the like. It really is meant to identify um, logical and um, uh, intentional categories of the community in order to best understand how we can reach all residents, business owners, and community, engage, um, community organizations. Um, so with that, the list that is presented on uh, page three includes things like appointed officials, business owners, city staff, um, county governments, economic development and chamber of commerce type organizations, um, environmental organizations, faith-based organizations, major employers, um, potential investors, phil uh, philanthropy, real estate professionals, senior groups, students, K through 12, as well as university students, um, and uh, young professionals. And that's just kind of a, a, a sampling of the, the listed uh, stakeholders that are identified on page three. Uh, but the reason why we are going through and identifying these types of stakeholders is because we want to be able to logically understand and be able to fine tune the types of approach that we're going to use in order to reach out to these specific um, uh, groups of people. Um, a interface between city staff that's um, and the planning commission that's leading City Modern um, with community government is certainly going to have to look a little bit different than it will with meeting with a senior group, uh, for example. Um, students K through 12 is going to have to look a lot different than moving, meeting with city staff. And so as we identify the key stakeholders, we then are able to use the tools that are identified later on in the plan to be able to approach things in a more intentional way and be able to gather that meaningful public input that we're wanting to receive throughout the different phases of the plan itself. So the phases of the plan really are separated out into five um, um, larger categories, and you actually have three sort of uh, major categories within that, um, with the final drafting and adoption being really at the end of this green section here before we move into the implementation of the vision. Um, but I want to stress that we're currently at the first, very first phase, which is imagine it, and I'm going to go into a little bit more detail on what that is here in the next few slides. Um, but as we proceed through the visioning process, we'll ultimately get to the formalizing of the vision and then implementing of the vision itself through action plans as well as other implementation plans um, that the city has control over. Um, public participation in all facets of this is very important because it is um, necessary for us to get feedback from the community um, as we proceed and be able to understand that we are um, fine-tuning and creating that vision and formalizing that vision that everyone is wanting to participate in and has had a chance to, um, to um, engage in the, in the full process. <clears throat> Some things that I will point out, though, is it's going to be a little bit different um, how people engage with the planning process as we move through this. And the reason for that is because the types of questions that we'll be asking people to, um, to engage with us on and to be able to answer are going to be a little bit different. And everyone is, is um, their own individual person that has their own type of understanding of how these types of things work. And there may be people that are more fine-tuned or um, really um, uh, leaning in or keen on wanting to participate in, in bigger picture um, strategizing or big visionary type of things and the really the imagine it category that we're in currently. Uh, there may be others that really like to uh, dive deep into the minutia of plans like this. And so they'll be a little bit more keen on wanting to engage as we get a little bit further into identifying some of those clear strategies that have come out of imagine it um, as we go into the planet and then even further on when we have um, drafted and adopted. As I think everyone on council knows that you can talk about specific projects, you can ask for community engagement, you can go out and you can make a lot of effort in order to try 
and it gain as much participation as possible. And there will always be a, a portion of the community that comes back and says, we have not heard of this, and now we're going to react to what you're putting in front of us in, um, in the form of a draft plan. And so there will be parts as we go forward with this where we are going to get people that are wanting to simply just react to the content that's being put out in front of them um, and ones that maybe haven't been all that keen on wanting to um, participate early on. So that is something that's just really the nature of the planning process and how public participation works. Um, the other thing I do want to kind of set out too, and one thing that does guide a lot of these decisions and research that city staff has done as it relates to other communities that have gone through a large visiting, visioning process like this in previous years, is civic engagement is um, at a very interesting point in American time. Um, not that long ago, there was a lot more civic engagement where people did recognize the value of wanting to participate and um, the duty that came along with that and the interest of wanting to be able to engage locally. We don't necessarily have that across our culture currently. Um, there are a lot of people that do tend to engage, and I would say that actually Midland is probably above average when it comes to civic engagement um, with other communities around the state that are our size. But that looks uh, that that type of engagement is a little bit different, and it's not necessarily with the city, but it's with a whole host of other community organizations um, that we work very closely with. And I'll talk a little bit more about that here um, in a little bit as well. But back to that kind of cultural piece, one thing I do want to stress is that um, when large um, visioning processes and master planning processes have gone forward throughout the state, what we're finding is that a, a good portion of the of the community tends not to engage. Um, and so it's it's very challenging to try and get as many contact points as we possibly can on different things. Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't try and that we shouldn't be willing to try um, a whole host of, of innovative and other types of um, ways to engage with people. But that's simply just the nature of how things are, are working currently where we would love to see you know, 30, 50, even ideally 100% participation in a planning process like this. Um, it's simply not realistic. And so making sure that we have the right expectation going in is important because it allows us to then recognize um, how we can then take the people that are going to be willing to engage with us and make sure that it's going to be meaningful con conversations, meaningful points of contact, and that we will be truly listening to what they have to say in order to then put the um, that work coupled with other work into the final plan itself. So that's, that's more of sort of the philosophy that I wanted to explain um, to council to explain the, the way that staff is leading this initiative and, and working with the planning commission. But I'll dive more into these five phases of the work plan um, in the next few slides. The first one that we're in right now is called Imagine It, and that's really where we're looking at the very big picture. Um, we've done a series of, of surveys as well as um, <clears throat> stakeholder meetings with a, a host of, with most of the city departments as well as other um, organizations across the community and we're asking big picture questions like what does Midland look like in 2035 or 2050? If you wanted the city to focus on three main topics during the master planning process, what would those three main topics be? Um, what's some of the things you really love about Midland and some of the things you really don't love about Midland? Um, really those big picture questions are really where we're at and we're wanting to ask and, and get people to really become visionary. Um, it's not all that often that we ask people to, to look um, 30 years or 29 years out into the future and, and say, what, what is that going to look like? But that's really what we're wanting people to do and really be um, exploring and innovative and imaginative about what that could look like and how we could have solutions to some of the problems that we face. So that's, that's the imagine it phase. Moving then into plan it is where we take the specific community desires that have been um, 
uh, found within the imaginative portion, and we start to explore those in greater detail. So those would maybe include things like um, flood resiliency. Um, that's one that we're hearing loud and clear is that we want um, the city um, public participation has said, focus on sewer systems, focus on flood resiliency. How can we make sure that we're not going to be so susceptible and so um, uh, unresilient, I guess, to these types of disasters? And so how can we build greater resiliency as it relates to that? Um, we've heard uh, be effective stewards of resources. How can we ensure that we have sustainable return on investment for the public expenditures that we're making to ensure that we're not running out of money or we're running into budget challenges um, going forward? Those types of things are starting to emerge more and more. Um, walkability, bikeability, that's something that we've heard for quite a few years. Um, and that's something that we're gonna probably focus on a little bit more too. But we have a few more phases or a few more surveys in the Imagine It that we're going to do, and that'll then lead us into plan it um, and really have a, a firm identification of those specific desires. Hey, Grant. Yes. You, you said you have a few more, uh, I think, public sessions on the Imagine It sec uh, topic or whatever, however you call it, Imagine It phase, I guess. Sure. Um, do you have in mind when, when those are going to happen? Uh, yes, we have a, uh, a survey that we're launching through E-City Hall that's going to um, take place after the 4th of July holiday and run for um, over 14 days. We're not sure exactly how long that will run, um, but at least two weeks time. Um, we're also going to be doing three or two more walking tours and then one mobility tour focused on um, uh, dial ride transportation. And that will be, um, those will be scheduled in July, August, and then September. Okay, so in that order, probably, E-City Hall in July, walking tours in August? Um, both, yeah, um, E-City Hall in July and walking tour in July. Then we'll have um, walking tour in August and then the mobility uh, dial-a-ride tour in September. Okay, thank you. So in addition to that, we'll have um, the next phase in phase three, we'll have the design it, which is where we take the top goals that have emerged in the planet phase, and that we'll look at those and explore those in greater detail and start to think about how we can put resources, partnerships, and actionable work plans into being able to um, obtain those goals that have emerged. After we do that, we'll then take um, the work plans and we'll put them into the draft it um, phase, which is looking at those actionable items and evaluating them for um, changes that the city can make as it relates to policy, program, and project timeliness by staff. And we're going to use an acronym called SMART, which is going to guide us um, so that each project will be codified into specific, measurable, attainable goals that have um, assigned resources and timelines. <clears throat> we'll also take that draft plan back out to the community um, for their um, ability to react. Um, there will be other points of, of contact with the community beyond what I've just mentioned um, in those next coming, uh, um, the next coming months. There'll be a, a series of other times that we'll have um, contacts with the community, but then that draft plan will be released to, released to the community for their final input and clarifications. And once that's done, we'll actually then move forward through the adoption phase, which is uh, city council action first, and then ultimately final adoption by the planning commission.
so switching gears a little bit to talk about the tools and the strategies that the staff are using um, and the planning commission in order to get the word out um, on the, the master planning process. But the biggest landing page is MidlandCityModern.com. That's in a website that's updated multiple times per week um, with as much information um, as possible to try and get the word out on different events that are happening, as well as reporting back out um, information that we've already obtained and um, input that we've already received. The engagement tools that SAP will be utilizing um, include one-way forms of communication like announcements where we are simply trying to get the word out to people um, and that's through a variety of different channels including city social media, press releases to um, area um, media sites including um, Chemical City Paper as well as the Midland Daily News. Um, we'll then have the other way of, of one-way communication, which will be surveys, where we're asking the public to uh, fill out different surveys and then report back um, to us that we'll be able to analyze that information. The walking tours that I mentioned is actually something that we've done uh, one of so far. Uh, two Thursdays ago, we did host our first walking tour that started at the library. Uh, we had around 15 people that participated, which is a, actually a very good crowd for something like this. Um, and the walking tours really are geared at trying to um, dive a little bit deeper into the ideas of walkability and bikeability, um, but also talk about concepts of social equity as it relates to people that may not be able to, to drive um, or are relying on other forms of transportation than simply a, a personal vehicle. The stakeholder meetings are also, also things that we um, have done, a few of that I mentioned, and in addition to those general public input opportunities that I mentioned to Councilman Arnosky, um, we will be hosting um, continued stakeholder meetings, and those will include public meetings where we'll look at um, different stakeholder groups and have a specific input session for those, um, for those people. We haven't scheduled those just yet, um, but that's something that will probably take place in August and in the early parts of fall as we emerge from Imagine It and into the Planet phase. And those are really where we're going to have to use different um, strategies and be very intentional about the types of input that, um, that we're um, wanting to receive. Um, but also um, making sure that it's very accessible for the people that we're wanting to participate. So um, a prime example would be if we're wanting to engage with a senior group, this type of format on Zoom is most likely not gonna be our best method. Um, we'd likely have a better result doing an in-person meeting um, where there's able uh, for people to socially distance and be able to come and, and participate in some type of work session or the like. So um, it's those types of things that we'll start to utilize more and more as we work through um, the planning process. Grant, another clarification. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, what do you consider to be a senior? <laughs> that is a good question. I, I you know, I'm probably going to line on the uh, around the age of 62. Um, that would be um, typically where that 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 uh, that time uh, falls. Uh, that's also sort of the definition that we use in our senior housing uh, facilities for Washington Woods and Riverside Place. So I'd say like anything more than than 62 years and older um, would be when I use that phrase, that would be kind of the group that we'd want to hear from. Just it curious, is. How are you gonna, how are you gonna target those folks? <laughs> because not all of them are in Riverside and- uh... yeah, Absolutely. Nope, that's a very good point. And actually that's where you find that print media is probably the best way to target that group is um, through the daily news. Um, that tends to be their largest uh, readers. And so we would use tools through that. Um, we're also going to start to utilize branded or um, announcement opportunities through dial ride transportation for people that are either um, inside the bus and we're exploring at the moment options of being able to wrap the bus with an, an announcement, some type of sign that could be attached to the bus where it would announce this website or have other types of information. So um, 
so yes so that that's that's one example of how we would reach out to that group okay thanks grant and grant have you thought about some of the nonprofits that also reach um populations in our community that um may not you know be aware of it any other method yes um that that's actually a very good point so we've um started to explore communication through the uh continuum of care which is also called the local planning body and that's the nonprofit group that works with issues of housing and homelessness um and there's quite a few different organizations where we can get information out to them so that that is one particular avenue that we're wanting to um engage with that group of people um but that would include uh representation through organizations like open door home to stay um shelter house participates in that as well okay good 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 So the next slide is is a screenshot of the homepage of, of MidlandCityModern.com. And if you haven't visited um, anyone on council or, or staff or anyone that's listening, I would certainly encourage you to go out there. Um, as I mentioned, it is going to be updated regularly. And we're wanting it to be, um, this it seems cluttered with all of the arrows that I've added to it. Um, but we're wanting the front page to be very, fairly straightforward. And it's not going to have a lot of graphics within the site. It's going to be really a no-nonsense kind of website where there simply is the type of content that we're looking for without um, a lot of the visual elements that can kind of start to um, uh, create a little bit of clutter on it. So a few areas I did want to point out in particular that people can get um, up-to-date information would be the news and events page. So if you scroll up to the top where the orange arrow is at, the news and events page would actually take you to a screen which highlights um, a categorical updating page of what has been happening and what type of information have we received to date and what's going to be coming up in the future. Um, we do have a small area of the news and events page on the right side that's going to highlight updated um, or the most um, upcoming things or things to look out for. Um, and that included when I took the screenshot an announcement for June 17th, um, the walking event um, for the St. Andrews neighborhood, as well as that neighborhood and livability survey that's going to be coming up after the July 4th holiday. Um, in addition to that, the mailing list is something that we're wanting to create. The city does have a number of other mailing lists that we are going to utilize those email addresses, but this is another way that if people want to sign up specifically for the City Modern updates, they can join the mailing list through this box here. Um, there's actually other parts of the website that you can also sign up, um, but that will go into our system and allow us for doing um, an email blast um, out to everyone when we do different announcements or um, newsletter updates. One of the things within the tools and strategy part of the plan is um, a really a beefed up section that I think is very Midland centric. Um, one of the things I probably should have mentioned early on is that a lot of this framework we're actually utilizing through the Imagine Kalamazoo um, process that had gone forward. So if anyone did research ahead of time and saw, well, these graphics look similar and this plan looks very similar to Imagine Kalamazoo, um, it's true because a lot of that work that they did has been quite successful and it was very recent. Um, and we wanted to ensure that we're utilizing a framework that has been proven in uh, a fairly similar size community to Midland, albeit Kalamazoo is a little bit larger population wise. But one of the things that I think is important and why we've chose not to go maybe a cookie, cookie cutter route with a consultant is really because Midland has a very unique set of uh, network that includes a lot of committees um, that are community based, a lot of panels, a lot of initiatives and, and tasks for, task force. And they're working on a whole host of different topics. And that includes anything from substance abuse 
Um, it can include things from Health and Human Services and the, um, the Community Health Improvement Plan, uh, Communities of, of Excellence through the, uh, the Community Foundation and the Community Success Panel, the work of We Hear You and the diversity, equity, and inclusion work that's happening through that and the, um, the Cultural Awareness Coalition through the Millinery Community Foundation. I could go on and on, um, and there I don't know if anyone in Midland has an exhaustive list of the community-based organizations and network that we really have. But if you look at it from the, the lens of understanding what the community is wanting to work at and what they're wanting to desire for the future, it's an incredible network that we can plug straight into and be able to utilize their work and simply build on it. And I think that's very important because the last thing we'd wanna do is for city staff to start to say, okay, let's have a conversation around substance abuse, for example. Um, there's already a whole group of people that are working on this. And rather than us recreate the wheel and duplicate effort and probably uh, most likely fatigue those that have done work in that particular area, it's really gonna be advantageous for us to engage directly with them and understand the players and the work that's already happening so that we can build on top of that. Um, and that's something that I know I, since I've been with the city since 2013, it's, it's, a, it's a very organizational-wide understanding that, that city staff need to start to build those networks and engage in those. And so those networks are very, they're very tight. And I know city staff have already created a lot of those inroads. And so it's simply going to be utilizing them for the purpose of City Modern. And so that, I think, is something that's advantageous to us. It also provides a lot of background and information that we can go off of as it relates to exploring some of these other concepts in detail. Um, prime example of that would be the Community Foundation did a lot of work around public transportation a couple of years ago. And it's a lot of stuff that we'll be able to utilize as we inform discussions on um, equity as it relates to transportation within the Midland community and um, surveys and other community engagement things that have happened uh, to be able to pull that information and, and utilize it for our purpose. Um, so that's one thing I did want to point out and one thing that I think is important to recognize that when we start to list on the number of people that we've touched, it can be a little bit, um, it can underestimate, I guess, the network that we have within the community. Because if you are starting to engage with the leadership of maybe the Health and Human Services Council, for example, um, you're not only engaging directly with those folks, but you're also going to take information that they've gleaned from a whole host of nonprofits and others that are on that panel. So um, players like 1016 and MidMichigan Health, um, the Midland Public, um, uh, the county's uh, public health um, department, um, and the like, and all of those members. Same with the Business Alliance. When we talk to um, maybe the executive committee of the, the Business Alliance or the staff of the Business Alliance, um, we're really relying on their connections and their knowledge of how they've worked directly with their membership and the people that they support in order to use that information to, um, to inform our discussion. So I think this is an important piece and something to recognize um, that we want to make sure that we tap into so that we are being effective and we're aligning the vision that's been um, going along with work that's already been done. We're simply building and evolving as we go forward. So communicating outcomes is something that's very important for this because what we don't want people to think is, oh, I filled out that survey nine months ago and they did nothing with it. Um, we want to ensure that if you filled out a survey through eCity Hall that you can go onto the City Modern's website and you can go through the information and find exactly where your um, survey response was. Um, we want to be able to keep a very good record so that people understand how the information is being collected, um, where it was at in the process, and then how it's going to be utilized going forward. So. The City Modern website is going to be the main point of doing that. 
Um, and that's why we have it structured in the way that we do um, to provide that news and updates and that uh, chronological um, identification of, of what's out there. We'll also be starting a monthly email newsletter um, that we are working on yet this week and we're hoping to have out by the end of June. Um, but the purpose of that is really to highlight a few areas um, and effectively a, a snapshot of where we're at in the whole project. So what have we done to date and where are we going from here? So that people can understand, okay, I may not have engaged on that first survey that went out back in April, but I can still participate. Even though the trains maybe left the station, it's oh, totally okay and it's going slow enough for me to be able to jump on. I think that's a really important thing for people to recognize is you can participate and plug and play wherever you want to in this process. Ideally, we'd love you to get on the train and stay with us on the train and ride throughout through the whole time. Um, that would be the best. Um, but we do recognize that people's lives um, don't always allow for that. And so we want people to recognize they can engage with us at any point. And that's how the newsletters letters will be structured. <clears throat> so with that, um, as part of the public participation plan, we'll actually be getting feedback on the way in which we're trying to obtain feedback, um, if that makes sense. So. Some of the things that we're wanting to ensure that we're staying open to is communication from the community saying what's worked and what hasn't worked. Um, a prime example of that would be our recent transportation and mobility survey. We didn't have an opportunity in that for people to just simply fill out a blank spot and be able to provide additional information relative to that. Um, so that's something that we're going to be implementing going forward. Um, when we were on the walking tour last week, we had people say, you know, it was great when everyone was close together and we could hear you when you were um, talking to the group, but as soon as we got a little bit more spaced out, it'd be nice if you had a microphone or some way to amplify, amplify your voice. And so that's something the city staff will be doing for the next ones to ensure that we can um, amplify our, our voices in those particular areas. So those, those are examples of how we're taking feedback and utilizing it for the future. But I think it's important to recognize that as we go forward with this, we will be looking for feedback, um, including all of yours and ensuring that that's how we kind of fine-tune this going forward. It's not meant to be static, but it's meant to, to, to um, ebb and flow as, as we want it to, to be most effective. So Grant, on that point, I mean, you pointed out, I, and I watched the uh, Planning Commission meeting, and there were some, I thought, some good questions asked by some of the Planning Commission members. But, for example, I think some were really clarification, especially when you talk about, you know, how, how much do people bicycle? You know, do they bicycle to work or do they bicycle for recreation, those types of things. How do you go back and, and sort of get, can you open that up? I'm trying to look, hear what you say and say, does that mean you're going to open it back up for people to clarify how they're bicycling, for example? Yeah, so in that particular case, I think one of our, our big desires is walkability and bikeability. And so as we go into the planet phase, we're going to have um, more points where we'll be able to, uh, dive a little bit deeper to what you're saying. So, um, for like, yeah, are they are they biking for recreation? Or are they biking for more of a utility or a commuting purpose? Um, are they biking on a um, on a road bike um, where they're trying to go for distance and have more of the kind of the athletic approach? Or are they simply biking for a more casual purpose? Um, it's those types of things as we move forward into planet that we're going to dive a lot deeper into, and that. That's not just going to be on biking and walkability, but it'll be on those other desires that we have that start to emerge. Um, housing, um, in particular, something where we'd be able to dive deeper into possible solutions as it relates to affordability um, and the type of housing stock that people are looking for. It's those types of questions that we'll start to ask a little bit more. 
we'll do it through surveys, but we'll also start to engage more with stakeholders around that group, um, including like the non-motorized transportation uh, folks of the community that have um, have been fairly engaged um, in that particular area um, and have organized themselves. So that would be an example of how we dive a little bit deeper. Yeah, the other aspect was, you know, looking for people who live within the city versus outside. And, and one of the questions that was asked or what, or one of the requests I think that came in was for more sidewalks. And I know we, we deal with sidewalks on an annual basis. And I mean, we've got within the city a, a very extensive network of sidewalks. There's very few gaps, I think, that have been unaddressed. And when those that we do, those gaps that we do have, usually it's because the neighbors don't want sidewalks. So I wonder how we dissect, you know, requests from, you know, because I, I don't think you limit it to, you have to be a city resident to provide input. Right. So right. how do we, how do we distill that? Yeah, you know, that's, I think, where we start to look at a little bit more of what's our objective at the end of the day. If it relates to sidewalks, are we looking for building a network and trying to create more connectivity? Um, are we simply wanting to connect um, maybe parks from one place to another. Um, I know we've had some sidewalk requests in the past, in the last couple of years, actually, where it's been questionable about exactly what are we connecting to. Um, and so I think that that's a when we dive more into like these concepts, we really are wanting to understand what people are really looking for. Are they looking for a very safe ways, a safe um, way to walk to work, um, to go on an evening walk, or to walk with their kids to the local park? Um, it's those types of things that we're trying to understand a little bit more that hopefully will then allow us to have more um, of a strategy going forward as we, we try and review some of those particular questions of, of sidewalk extensions or gap filling. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so that does conclude um, the, the overall public participation plan. I think one thing I do wanna point out is is even though we do have a couple things that are in the immediate forefront as it relates to specific stuff that we will be doing, um, one of the things we don't wanna do is put the cart before the horse. So we're reluctant to schedule out um, three, four months in advance some of these events, mostly because we wanna ensure that we recognize where we're at and then fine tune how we can go for, move going forward. So um, so with that, it's, it's going to be, um, We'll probably have a lot more clarity as it relates to between going from now to August as a, uh, as it as a means to diving into more of those uh, finer points and the types of ways that we'll be doing that. Um, but we don't have sort of a, a 12 month plan of every single event and every single date that's going to happen simply because we want to make sure that we are being reactive to what the community is saying. So, um, so that's kind of the one last piece I did want to make uh, mention of. As it relates to the action that's being requested of council this evening, uh, the resolution is to receive and file the plan um, as drafted. And then with that, I'd be happy to entertain any additional questions. Right, questions for Grant. I have a question, but it, it's more for Jim. <laughs> so Jim, my question is, this is eventually going to come to council for a vote. So is there the walking tours, the public sessions? What are the boundaries we as council have to stay within knowing that um, we're gonna be voting on this later? I know it has been in the past, um, but just want to clarify. Well, it's obviously much easier for all council to see what's going on, whether it be through film or video or Facebook or something. To attend as a, as a group is difficult because if there's any communication and we have the Open Meetings Act, we have people that will question the uh, outward 
appearance and transparency of council being together if it's on a walking tour. It's better that the walking tours be set for the public or for the invitees and council, council steer away from it and allow the public and those interested parties to be a big part of it and let council hear it at the presentations that are presented by staff. It makes it obviously much easier to simply say that there was no undue influence or people out in the public claiming that there was uh, not transparency or the council was siding with one issue or the other instead of hearing it all together. Jim, does that mean the council shouldn't participate with a survey on the city modern? Well, I'll let Grant answer that one. Uh, the, the surveys, I'm not, I'm not that involved with the surveys, so I'm going to have to punt that one over to Grant. Sure. So in the past, I know we have asked for council not to participate in the East City Hall surveys, mostly because those topics are something that would come forward in the future. Um, I think probably better than than going out and filling out the East City Hall survey would be um, sending an email to myself of maybe your individual thoughts on that particular topic, um, since it is really intentional for us to to get the um, the information from members of the public. Um, so I, I would say that in the past it, it hasn't been um, the best for members of council to participate in those surveys since they are intended for the public. But we could still get the newsletter, right? Absolutely. Yep. Those one-way types of communications where it would be um, social media blast or um, newsletter blast or other things, we would certainly encourage you to sign up. Um, and then I would even maybe be as bold as to say, go ahead and share it um, on through your own network. Um, we'd love to see them being shared on, on social media accounts um, that maybe all of you have or um, forwarding it on, um, spamming all of your friends with ways that they can get involved. Um, it's actually proven that the, the best way to, to get people's interest is if they hear it from someone that they know and they trust. Um, so if they know that they're hearing it directly from someone, they're most likely going to engage. So I would encourage to utilize that one-way form of communication to push out the information as best as possible. Yeah, I would add though on the E-City Hall things like that, I'd like to be able to at least go through it and, and be aware of the questions that are being asked because people are gonna ask me, you know, did you see this or what, what's that, what's going on? You know, just, I like to be not totally clueless. So I'd like to at least walk through it uh, myself to understand what's being asked and kind of the format of it. So, you know, from that perspective, I, I try to, you know, sometimes I don't push the submit button, but uh, I do like to go through it. And the nice thing too with East City Hall is you can actually see in real time who's taken it and how many people have, and you can go through the individual results as well. Um, so if you are wanting to see those questions and how they've been listed out and how people are responding midway through the survey itself, you are able to do that. And is it possible to maybe go longer than 14 days on an E-City Hall? Is there something magic about the two-week period, especially during the summer? Um, it, it's mostly been largely because what we found with E-City Hall in Midland is that when we make the announcement, we get a big bump of people that participate. We usually let it sit. Um, for a few days and then we'll send another blast of information out probably around seven days after that we'll maybe get another bump and then once we send out the reminder email that it's actually going to close is when we get that third bump so it, it really the 14 day is kind of the sweet spot because anything larger than that um once people have already received a couple of communications on it and they've forgotten they're probably not going to participate but if you can create that urgency of there's only six more days or there's one day left to be able to participate. That's when we get that last bump of people to participate. 
Yeah, but I think during the summer, you've got a situation where it's not unusual for people to be gone for a week or even two weeks. That is a good point. Yeah, I so think maybe extend it to three would be or you have a soft close on, you know, on after two weeks and a hard close after three or something like that. Sure. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I think. Yeah, timeline wise, I know we could do like a three week timeline for this next one. Timeline. Yeah, I think that would be good. Okay. So, Grant, looking at the different phases of this, this looks like it's going to be about a year, year and a half process. Is that about right? I think so. Most likely at least a year from now. And we have had a little bit of a slow start, and that's been a bit intentional on behalf of staff and planning commission because um, up until really about a month ago, we weren't able to meet in person um, in any meaningful way. And so what we're wanting to do is do more traditional types of focus groups and other in-person meetings in addition to the surveys and the Zoom meetings and those types of things. Um, and so it has been a little bit of a slow start, but it's probably at least a, um, 12 months, maybe 18 months out from now before we'd be looking at adoption. Good. Well, it's obvious there's been a lot of work put into this. Uh, great work. I like the approach, uh, the out-of-the-box strategic thinking. I think it's very important to make sure um, that we have inclusivity of our community and those populations that are normally not represented. Looks like we'll have an opportunity to have them represented. And I think it's great the way we're partnering with other organizations, um, again, to reach further out in the community. So good job. All right, any other questions for Grant? Were you able to hear me? Okay, cool. <laughs> was, all right, thank you, Grant, I appreciate it. Uh, Selena, could you do the um, resolution summary, please? This resolution receives and files the City Modern Public Participation Plan. I have a motion. Second. Second. All right, discussion. Great plan. Great job, Grant. Yeah, and I think we can always add to it you know, as things go through, I mean, this is going to be a year long process. So I'm sure things are going to change on and everything, but it's a, it's a fantastic start. I, I like how you got everybody included in it and I'm sure there's going to be lots more participation on it. So any other comments? One more, one more thing onto that too. I think one thing to really recognize is that it's not the end all beat all is not necessarily getting that plan adopted because sometimes you can rush into adoption and then it sits on the shelf. Um, so I think these next 12 and 18 months are going to be extremely valuable for the community to engage in this process and to really think about long-term visioning for the future. And there's a whole benefit that gets created just simply by having these kind of conversations and creating these types of communications. So um, I should have said that during my presentation, so I apologize to, to jump in now. But I think as a planner, I, I, one thing I will say is that there's a lot of value in just having the planning conversations, and it's an exciting time for the city. Great. All right, ready to vote? Okay, Erica. Councilman Arnoski? Aye. Councilman Brown Wilhelm? Aye. Councilman Hall? Aye. Councilman Wesbinski? Aye. Right, and that part passes 4 0. So that brings us to the end of our agenda. Any new business on council? City manager? Dave? Uh, just, just a reminder that the next meeting we have will be in person. 
on the 19th. Um, so this is the final, under the current law, that is, this is the final Zoom meeting. All right, and that'll be on July 19th, 2021. So it's about, give you guys a break for about three weeks there. <laughs> All right, with that, meeting is adjourned. This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation.